I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. I'll give you some background on Corey. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we have Corey. Oh, dear. <laughs> we have Corey Johnson today. <laughs> um, Corey and I met freshman year of college. Where was this? At OU. Okay. We met, we had, what was it? English comp, I think, together, right? And We um, actually had the first class that I remember doing, like, really talking to you was actually um, the math class because we both had to go to the teacher's office after hours for help. Was that the one with the horrible teacher, that woman who was a horrible teacher? Or was that a different math class? I don't remember. It's been a minute. It was freshman <laughs> or uh, uh, undergrad. It was a math class. We did have an undergrad English class, and we were in the anthropology class together, but I dropped it because I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Wait, where were you at OU? This it's... would have been 98. Okay. Yeah. I was there were like 2001. Yeah. I would have been a junior by then. Okay. Yeah. Go my first two years. I had already gotten pregnant and dropped out by then. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) As it goes, you know. So I was 17 and I moved out of my parents' house and went to college and I lived in an apartment right there off a campus that no longer exists, right across from the duck pond. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because they were the cheapest ones, and I almost because they should have been condemned. Yeah, they were terrible. Yeah, oh, I remember. Yeah, and but she lived in more. Okay. So when she had long, long breaks between classes, we would walk over to my apartment so she didn't have to, you know, yeah. To me. So I have no idea how at some point, not far into this, she's like, I'm thinking about moving out of my uh, mom's house. I'm like, hey, move in with me. Because <laughs> I'm impulsive, as we learned in the birth chart Reading. episode. Oh, um, I am too. <laughs> yeah. And so her family has taken me ever since, and I've been part of her family. Aww. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so all those broken animals she collects, I'm one of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, oh, and that reference, the listeners didn't get to hear. Uh, earlier, we got to hear Corey giving medication to her special needs dogs. So that's Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, she collects broken animals. She does, and she cares sweet. for them. I think it's amazing. You must be a good person. I don't even know you, but <laughs> it speaks volumes to your character. Well, she's tolerated me all these years, so there's that. Hey, I think the toleration was mutual. Don't act like it's just me here. No, I love you. You're great. And, and your whole family's been great. So tell us about well, yourself, Corey. I don't know anything about you. Are you, you I know uh, Summer said you're in Germany right now? Yes, I it, live in Germany. Uh, just uh, south of Frankfurt and we have been here for this is now eight and a half years the second time I've lived here um, do you want to tell us how so, you ended up in Europe in the first place oh uh, <laughs> well I was in the army and I was stationed in upstate New York Fort Drum yay frozen chosen um, <laughs> and then I re-enlisted uh, the opportunity came up for me to come to Germany of all the choices that they gave me it was actually the best one so I came over here in the army in late 2007 and uh, I met um, this guy and against my better judgment uh, I ended up married <laughs> it was nobody ever takes my advice <laughs> it was not in my plan but uh, that's just what was meant to be I guess so 
Well, in the military, you know, you can't move with them if you're not married either. Well, yeah, and, and it is complicated over here in Germany because you have, uh, I forget what it's called just now, it's a long time ago, but the rules are basically uh, you have to, I mean, you can only be in Europe as an American if you have a work visa or um, you're here as a tourist, which is only 90 days, um, 90 days in every six months. So when John was getting out of the army, mm-hmm. um, he once he signed his papers he signed out suddenly he was on a tourist visa so it was he was go back to the states or get married or get married and it was like well hey you know what we're we're doing pretty good here let's give it a chance you know why not why the heck not um and then you apply then you're allowed to have your family members with you they very rarely deny in places like germany there's no reason not to to allow family members so you apply and then they give you permission to have your family over and then they also then get this sort of coverage that isn't a visa i don't know if that makes any sense you're allowed to be here without a proper visa okay because you're with your uh the forces huh what a Uh, functional like immigration policy i just sorry i have to be a smart ass for a moment (laughs) well that's just the agreement that the americans have with the germans there's a whole different system for other people which is actually also functional but we could talk about that if you want um so and then you know fast forward we we went we were in uh, germany for two years i got out of the army fast forward we lived in England for a year, and then we ended up coming back here in summer of 2010, and we've been here since. And any plans to come back to the United States? <laughs> um, can I plead the fifth? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> we, we've settled in pretty good here, and uh, um, it just, there's a lot of things about life over here that suit us really well, and, you know, and we're going to stay here as long as we possibly can. <laughs> and I won't lie, I am trying to find a way to stay here beyond that, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that overstaying your visa. <laughs> are you still, are well, you I'm still in the military? No, okay. I, I got out in June of 2009. Okay. I actually am the one who dropped her off at the recruiting station for basic. <laughs> I it's still remember fault. that. So what it's do you do fault. now in, in Germany? At this point, I am a student. I'm doing an online course with the University of South Dakota for a master's in addiction counseling and prevention. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I, I feel quite overwhelmed sometimes because most of the students in my classes are already working as counselors. They already have some qualification or degree or something and I'm over here 38 years old I've got zero experience I mean we just did introductions for the first week of this semester and it's like what have you done what can you bring to the class and I'm like um a willingness to learn and a desire to help (laughs) (laughs) that's important though all these these people are over here saying what they've done and the qualifications they have and all these things and I'm just like oh okay well that's that's I'm gonna hide over here now oh you but you undervalue your skills you do have you I, have a lot of experience dealing with addicts in your life so it's not like this stuff's new to you it's not it's just a matter of being able to do it properly and uh, with some measure of confidence that I I'm not going to get it really really wrong which is very important. I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm silly, but I'm, it, it's very serious. It's a very serious thing. It's very, it's critical that you get it 
exactly right for each individual person because that may be their last chance. You never know. We've had somebody on before who's been through, you know, rehab like six, seven different times. I think it was eight. Eight, I think, he, eight. Yeah, I think we yeah. got to count of eight during the yeah. episode. And so what you're saying is very true. I mean, yes. I don't know if anybody, and but he probably didn't have therapists who cared like you seem to, to actually want to get it right the first time. And, you know, to be honest from, from, I mean, again, everything I say is, is purely from a student's perspective because I don't have any experience working in the field yet. From what I gather from all the experiences of my, my classmates and my professors, sometimes it's, it's not exactly about the counselors or even the clients. It's, it's quite often about the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you have, you have counselors who, who desperately care and are doing their very best and you have clients who are trying and trying and trying and relapse is definitely a part of recovery and it takes time to figure it out it's just in the in the in the middle of it all the system is twisted up it's complicated it it fails people get left behind and and people may not even get the right chance i mean mm-hmm. if your insurance pays for it and then you get your 28 days 28 days is not enough it's not enough for anyone no and access i mean and that's pretty obvious to me here. and i'm just a student right access is such a problem over here what right. is, what does it look like over there because you've lived uh, in several places in europe now it's 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 different um i'm not terribly experienced with it i am at this point working to get into the system mm-hmm. but i know that uh and i know that in England there's because of the NHS you get you get one as far as I understand I could be wrong what but this mean? is how I understand it so far you get one chance like if you so they'll pay for struggling, it through the one time right one... because it's yeah because it's on the national health system you get one you get one I think it's 28 days or something like that or some may probably there may be various programs and things um, but that's the one you get so what happens which after is why that? can you private pay if you if you can afford it do you know? I think so. I think so because uh, last spring I did a class and one of the assignments was to, you had to go to a clinic and interview the manager mm-hmm. or someone who worked in the clinic. One of the uh, clinics I was in contact with was a clinic in England and that it was a private clinic and you could go on your own without um, the NHS paying for it. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, unfortunately, as I said, I don't have a whole lot of experience with that, so I, I can't really speak right. accurately on this, but I do know that there is an NHS provision for it, and you can go to a clinic, you know, should you have the money. There's also clinics like that in uh, the one I actually interviewed for was in the Netherlands. And I'm it was basically... Yeah, me too. Hmm? I want to go there. We want to go, we want <laughs> to to go there. Mm-hmm. Or anywhere but here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's really what it's just. We just want to leave America. Oh, my God. <laughs> terrible. So can you tell I, us what, the, what people over there think of the state of our nation right now? Yeah, what is the consensus among you know, peers? You know, I really, I am really in love with pleading the fifth right now. Oh, please. I, no, we need no, to we, know we need one. No, we want to do, feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> um, by and large, when I when they hear something in the news or I tell them about something, they just they they look at me with this really dumbfounded look, like 
Oh, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes, exactly. It doesn't. How we feel every day. <laughs> you um. don't even get laughter. You don't even get mockery. You just get this, you know, the, the blink, blink stare. Like the what the hell is like, wrong with you? <laughs> like, surely oh this isn't real. <laughs> you do get, I do come across occasionally, very rarely, some people who will, uh, what, how, how do I put this? They, they don't really like the government of America, specifically Hello. one person in particular. Ditto. Um, <laughs> oh, we can say you really hate, like, like him. We hate Trump. Like, I'm going to say that. I don't yes. care. Yeah, like, fuck him. <laughs> I okay, see, okay. I see no redeeming quality. Yeah, we don't worry about being too politically correct. No. We're fine with saying fuck Trump. I mean, you know. Uh, okay, well, you know, he's he's definitely not my choice, personally. Right. Um, but what they will say is... Uh, I've had some people say, you know, he's a mess. They they will they will try to be diplomatic about it. They'll say he's messing things up, but it's going to lead to something else. <laughs> and it's like that. that yeah, but that's that could be wrong. something horrible. <laughs> it could. Um, like, have you, you know, seen the awful so, things humans can do? Like, <laughs> I just, <sighs> by and large, you will. People just have no idea. Like, what did you do? Why did people vote for him? And it's like, well. It's it's hard to explain. He, well, why he ran on a racism. He him. ran on a platform of racism. Yeah, and that's what got him elected. He plays to people's fears, and he 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 allows them to be victims. It plays to their fears and their and, and it's like, well, I'm struggling, but it's somebody else's fault. It, right. It allows them to be the victim when, you know, they know they really shouldn't. Excuse me, they really should be. Who are they so, blaming the wrong people? I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, a lot well, of they're not blaming themselves, which maybe they Or the be. system. Sometimes yeah. it, it's a problem with the system. Well, not with, oh, those scary other people that aren't like us. It's a lot of misdirection, too. Right. It's like, look at this shiny object. Well, he's a sociopath, and he's great at gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah, he just tells people that things don't exist, and mm-hmm. half America is being a victim of his sociopathic tendencies. I'm just believing him. Right. So. Insane. Well, you know, if you yeah, watch Fox yeah. News, you think oh, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's curiously, it's also a product of our our system. Our, our give. Our, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Our, I'm not discounting anything you've said. I just. Mm-hmm. Um, it's curiously also because from from over here, there's perspective. people want to know how the system actually works because they're like, how would this happen? Because there's mm-hmm. nobody that I have encountered over here. And again. everything I say comes from just my personal experience I'm not an expert on any given thing Mm -hmm. I'll just put that out there (laughs) so I don't know how everyone's government works completely and thoroughly but I've seen a lot of elections and I have never seen a European election that had just two possibilities are people more engaged there like I mean what percentage of people vote I don't know how I don't know of any percentages from what I can see is it's people are quite involved it's I mean especially Scottish people you know they've had a lot of with their referendums and the whole Brexit thing and all of that people get out as far as I can see they get out but the problem is is very similar to us is that a lot of people they don't really know what they're voting for Mm -hmm. they're just oh I need to go vote and they'll turn out and they'll cast a vote for whoever they heard last on the radio i mean there's that not always an intelligent mm-hmm. process but it's it's mitigated a little bit i think because you have such a broad system you have at least three parties you know mm-hmm. competing for the votes and whereas you get a system like ours where it's very binary it's 
you have the GOP and you have the Democrats. And if you want to vote for anybody else, you're splitting the Democrat vote. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if people didn't want to vote for Trump, they didn't want to vote for Hillary. So they had to choose, you Mm -hmm. know, and it sort of skews, it skews things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So. We've got so many people straight party voting. It drives me insane. They don't know anything about the candidate. They don't know anything at all. Well, and I mean, the Republicans think that the Republican Party is still the Republican Party that existed 20, 30 years ago. I feel like the, not only would I like to get rid of straight party voting, I don't want to, I don't want your party affiliation on that ballot. Yeah. I want name only. And if if you don't know who the fuck that is, don't vote in that, that race. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, that's one of the main differences I've seen. Uh, between Americans and various um, Europeans, mm-hmm. really, is that we, we tend to identify with... Whenever I hear people over here talking about issues, they talk about the issues. They talk about where they stand on the issues. And now I won't say that there are people who don't vote just based on party or they don't vote Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, it's not everybody thinks everything through. But by and large, when I hear people talking about issues, they talk about issues, and they don't talk about, well, I'm associated with this ideology, mm-hmm. so I believe this. Right. It, it isn't like somebody else has. It, it's just it seems like people don't know what to do, and so they just choose something, and it validates them. And it's like, well, I believe this one thing, so I must believe what everyone else believes on these other things too and then mm-hmm. I belong to something and it's like that's really kind of sad it is and it's it's costing us dearly mm, it yeah. really is I <laughs> with this last election cycle here um with the governor race here mm-hmm. <laughs> I made the mm-hmm. comment I said literally the only thing if to um the, the way to guarantee that you win an election in, in Oklahoma is to be a white man and run on a platform of God and guns. Yeah. I mean, he literally had a fundraiser that was a machine gun shoot. Did you know that? No. He's such garbage. Oh, wow. Yeah. And wow. he and he, his entire campaign um, was run on family values, you know, the whole Bible thumper thing. Oh, and that's it. It's so old. Oh, I hate it. So we've had eight years of people complaining about Governor Fallon. And Fallon is leaving office as the least popular governor, but they elected the same damn thing. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. Well, this guy's going to get right, you know? He's going to get it right. Oh, Lord. I don't know what is wrong with people. Uh, Yeah, living in the Bible, the bubble of the Bible Belt is difficult, (laughs) politically speaking. Oh, yeah. You just agree to. Yeah. Agree to end abortions and be against LGBT, and you, people will throw their votes at you. And I'm just standing here, like, what I'm the just hell waiting is for happening? somebody to recognize that and run on that, and then just do the total opposite. Like, <laughs> we need that somebody, would be good. <laughs> like, I'll go run and I'll just be like, yeah, guns, yeah, <laughs> and then see what happens. Like, just get me in, and then I'm just gonna do the opposite of everything I said. That would work because <gasps> half your voters wouldn't even be paying attention to know what you actually did. Yeah. So they would just vote for you again next I just term. have to fool the Republican Party into, you know, pushing me up into well, their... Well, if they figure out how to Google the podcast, it'll never happen. I'm screwed if they listen to anything I've ever said publicly, which is a lot. 
Right. I'm unelectable in Oklahoma. Yeah, so I'm probably unelectable, period. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't it be fun? I'm serious. The headlines. The headlines. Oh, they would be amazing. <laughs> I might even move back just to read them on a daily basis. <laughs> you can come back and be our campaign manager. <laughs> we can oh. run on a ticket together or something. <laughs> As conservative women. Yes. We're both and the lawyers. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can be the hardworking immigrant's daughter who's actually a citizen. Who's assimilated. Into... Who I've assimilated into the culture and, uh, you know, am uh, a, a supporter of the Republican Party. Oh, Lord. They would love us. America. Yeah, they could utilize our minority status. Oh, you know they love to do that. They'd love to do that. <laughs> and then we could just, we would just pull the wool over their eyes. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm liking this plan more and more as we talk about it. <laughs> I'd have to be meditating. Or it could be the mimosas shit. talking. It, I don't know. We've had several mimosas prior to calling you, so. Our last guest <laughs> brought us some champagne and orange juice. So. Oh. That's continued nice. to happen. <laughs> well, what, what else, what other interesting things are going on in your life? Oh, just, I'm really not that interesting. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> said that, but they are. But I'm not. I'm not. So, I'm a student. Okay. So I'm a student. I, I do that. I'm, so, I'm working on, when I'm not doing schoolwork, which I'm only a part-time student at this point because I, I'm also looking for work. I recently found out, we've been told all this time, we've asked my husband's boss numerous times, and they said, no, you're not allowed to work, and no. Uh, because of the way the system works in Germany, you're not allowed to do volunteer work either. Mm-hmm. And, and this is very disappointing. So I just found other things to do with my time. And just recently, I mean, and I'm talking just within the last six months, the second boss he had, because his bosses actually rotate every few years. It's, it's quite common. It's very normal. The second boss said the same thing. Well, this third boss, he's like, oh, no, you're fine. You can get a job. <laughs> because the, the governments have an agreement for this particular set of workers, the governments have an agreement, and un- based under it's it's this the NATO statute, it's uh, not allowed to have a job. So all this time, and, I know you've been operating under the understanding you couldn't. So you could have been working, right? It wow. was it was I really struggled with that. I struggled. It took me a long time to process that and and work through that without being angry because there's no point in being angry over the. Things you can't, can't give time back. Right. But at the same time, it was just like, you've, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And so so we went to the lawyer. We went to, there's a there's a German lawyer that mm-hmm. works uh, at this sort of thing on for, with the Americans. So we went to see her, and she printed out the statutes out of the German legal books. Like, I mean, if you think American legalese is difficult, I, I, I don't even think I could my head would explode trying to work my head around the German legalese, but she printed this off. She explained it. She said, when you go, you can go to any job you want. doesn't matter. Uh-huh. And you can just show them this and, you know, then you have the right to work. You have the right to work. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. I could have been doing so much. Right. Cause it was so hard for you to learn how to stay home. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I was not made for this. I was not made to be a housewife. You should see my house. It's, I don't have any kids. It should not look like this. <laughs> but you have special needs dogs, so it's okay. <laughs> I did. Uh, to be fair, I, I, I'm being dramatic. I'm just terrible at windows and dusting, really. It's my, my weak point. But, um, I don't dust. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the last time I did. That, well, yeah. 
how would you know where anything goes when you move it if there's no dust? That's a good point. I like that. (laughs) So can um, I, oh, go ahead. So now, now essentially it's just, it's just because we are not, I'm not European in order to have a job, in order to get a job in a European country, you have to be from that country. You have to be European or from, from a European union country. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, you have to have a skill. You have to be a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or an engineer, something they need. Mm. And that spot cannot be filled by European workers, which makes sense. I'm not complaining about that. It's mm-hmm. just those were the conditions I had been working on, and I have nothing to offer. Mm. Uh, so then they told me I had actually had the right to work the whole time, and it just it, it shook me because I was just mm-hmm. like, wow, I could have at least been doing volunteer work. Right. You know, I could have been, but coulda, woulda. Um, so now what I do basically is I'm looking for work. I work on my German language skills because I am trying, I am currently sort of waiting for a second interview on uh, an internship position in a psychiatric hospital that also has a substance abuse treatment department. Okay. So I really need my German skills to be up for that. Mm-hmm. Well, you're good with languages, uh, you'll be fine. Corey has, how old, she has an older sister, which is... Uh, quite a bit older than you right like 12 years or something she's about 12 years older than me yeah and then um as adults they found out their mother had placed a baby who's younger than Corey for adoption okay so um which I lived with her for I don't know well one L year of law school I lived with their mother um because I was homeless. <laughs> she was very nice to let me stay there. You are um, not homeless. I, well, I didn't have... I, right, exactly. I didn't have anywhere to live. And I, I don't think I had talked to her at that point. It had probably been a couple years since I talked to her. And I called her and I'm like, I have nowhere to go. Can I come stay there? So I lived in Corey's childhood bedroom. <laughs> One year. She did. She did. And, um, it's actually... It, it's actually one of my... Uh, I mean, my family is interesting and can be special just as any family can be um it's one of our uh better legacies i think is that there's always i mean my mom told me of stories of her grandmother they had a two-bedroom house and seven kids and the five boys lived out in a boxcar because they didn't have space in the house and there were always extra kids so there were just it was just always extra kids, no questions they asked. Taken. And Aww. my and my mother grew up that way as well. With I mean, my granddad had two always had two jobs, sometimes had three. There were five of those kids in the house. And there was always a kid living in their house. I mean, they could barely feed all the ones they had and they're just like, Oh well there's enough beans for you know another one. Mm-hmm. There's just there was just it's 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 how I grew up. It's how my mom grew up. It's how my grandmother grew up. And and so to have someone call you up and be like, hey, have you got, you know, a little place to stay or can you help my kid or something like that? It's just, um, it's, it's one of the, uh, I'm really trying to more brag about my mom right now because <laughs> well, I like to do that. She, she was she, really incredible. She really was. She passed away about four years ago, and I just, mm-hmm. I don't have any children, and I'm not going to have children, so the legacy won't really travel past me in my line. You know, my sister will, has 
had people living with her and the rest of my family, my aunts and cousins and stuff. It happens there too, but I just, you know, wanted to take a minute, interrupt, and brag on my mom. No, so. you're fine. That's amazing. She was really amazing, and I miss her every day. In, in, in my defense, I do have a, a, a straight living in my house at this point. You do. She has a friend living with her right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. <laughs> it's not the first one. I remember the first one I had. Um, now, this is just this is just funny. I would come home, mm-hmm. and there would be extra shoes in my entryway, and I'm like, oh, Okay. Somebody in my house. Who's staying here now? <laughs> <laughs> like, look at my husband's like, do you know who that is? I've been known no. to take in stray friends. Mm-hmm. I've done it multiple times. Yeah. yeah. And I remember that's one thing Cam used to tell me is um, there was a lot of, like, friends that, uh, that her daughter had that would, they would find out, like, they would be teenagers, and when they came out to their parents, they would get kicked out. And so there were several who... Knew that that there coming was a place and staying stay. with her mm-hmm. for different periods of yeah. time. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. And so while I, I stayed... mean, I was. Uh-huh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I was always coming home. I remember in high school mm-hmm. when uh, when my sister when we we call her our sister. Mm-hmm. She, she, honestly, actually, did I ever tell you how she came to be in our family? How's that? I'll just try and keep this quick. Good. My sister's ex-husband's little sister's junior high best friend. <laughs> That's very confusing. <laughs> she came into our house in high school when I was in high school. There were always her friends were always scattered around on the couches, and my friends would come over and like, "Where are we gonna sleep?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, there's it's fine. There's like a couch here. And there's a floor. I got a fine. double bed, and there's some floor. It's fine. Don't worry about it." We've got two bathrooms. It's fine. <laughs> it was a really, it's a really great memory. It was a really great way to be. So, when anyway. I was, <laughs> when I was living with her, there were a few things like she had said things like I had, uh, of course, adopted my older daughter, and so she kept asking me questions about adoption and, um, and also like adoption searching, right? Mm-hmm. And I would just answer her questions, and I didn't pry about why she was trying to. Uh, you know, yeah. get all this information. And then at one point, she, she would say things sometimes, like I said something about, um, I think, I don't know if I was pregnant with my youngest or some, maybe, I don't know. I wasn't, you, you, I don't think that you were pregnant yet. I don't think I was pregnant yet. I think I was um, saying something about I didn't want to get pregnant at that age because I was almost 30 and I was like, it was really hard on me the last pregnancy and I was only like 20. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's like, tell me about it. I was 35 and I stopped and looked at her. I know. And I, and she didn't say anything. And I'm like, and I said, how old were you when you had Corey? And she said, 32. I was like, okay. And I, yeah. And I didn't say anything. I'm like, I guess if she wanted (laughs) me to know more, she would tell me more. So I just let let it go. None of us were very good at math anyway. Well, no, I caught it. And she could tell I caught it. But I I just sat there for a minute to give her a chance to say something if she wanted to. And she didn't. So I didn't ask any questions. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, later it turned out she had placed uh, a child for adoption. So how did you find out about that? Um, uh, How old was I? I was like, it was 29. It was about 29. And I had come home from Germany for Christmas with my new-ish husband and <laughs> my sister was there 
Um, and I came in and see now my sister and I have different dads Mm -hmm. and I didn't grow up with my dad, my father, uh, he and my mother went their separate ways, uh, completely when I was about three years old. So I, I didn't meet him again until I was 17. And even then I didn't have much contact with him. So I go, they're like, Oh, I've got to tell you something. So we gotta tell you, we gotta go back here in the bedroom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who's somebody's sick, somebody's dying. Right. This is bad, this is really bad. And I get in there and they shut the door. And my sister, you know, backs up to the door like she's blocking it or something. I'm I'm just like starting to, you know, my knees are starting to shake here. <laughs> and <a> terrifying build up. <laughs> she says she and like and my mom says, I have to tell you something. You have a brother. And I look at her and I said, How do you know? <laughs> where they kind of snort a bit <laughs> and in in what's the word I'm looking for I lose words sometimes now okay. uh, not disbelief that, that mm-hmm. snort that people do and disbelief like what are you joking <laughs> and and my mom's like I what like do it. you think how do you think I know <laughs> because in my mind you were thinking from how your does father. she know that how does she know that my father had another child right. they didn't talk to each other <laughs> <laughs> and it really broke that ice that they had built up. <laughs> and she, she's like, when you were three years old, I had another child. And, and I'm sitting there like, and I can see she's, she's really kind of stressed about it. She's really upset. Like, she's got this look. And my mom didn't show distress very often. She didn't show that she was afraid. She was very good at, at, at putting on a brave face. And so she's starting to look a little bit upset, and, and she's just, and I'm like, what? And she's like, well, I thought you would be mad. And it's like, <laughs> well, you didn't even tell me anything about him. Like, where does he live? You know, this, this. And I start asking all these questions, and she's just like, hold on, hold on. Because she's still processing the fact that I wasn't mad at her. Huh. And so we had to take some time to process this. Why would I be mad at my mother for making a choice like that? I mean, I know my mother. I'm sitting here thinking, I know you, and I told her this, I said, I know you, if you did that, it wasn't a whim, it wasn't lightly, it wasn't, I mean, nobody does that lightly, Mm -hmm. and I know her especially, and I'm just like, there's no doubt in my mind that if she did that, it was for a good reason, and my mind had completely glossed over this point, and I'm just trying to find out, like... (laughs) about my little brother you like, know how 10 is, steps ahead of where they're <laughs> <laughs> right and it and I felt a little bit bad that I you know I had just completely disregarded this need of that she had at this moment to 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 really feel like I wasn't upset and I was mm-hmm. just like zoom where's my brother because I had always wanted a little brother it's like I have a little brother when can I meet him can I talk to him can I do what did just firing questions at her and my sister's standing over here going oh my god <laughs> so yeah that was that was about how that went and Same. over time sorry oh no go ahead it's just over time she would i would just ask her questions and she would answer them there was very little she would not answer there were some very private things that she would not talk about but it was just one or two and it was like all right well that's that's a no-go area but there's so much here that i can learn <laughs> And I was just kind of like, I was just starting telling people, I have a brother, I have a brother, hey, did you, I have a brother. So that that's what it was like on my end. I mean, it was never easy for her, obviously, yeah. but 
I think it was a relief for her to not have to hide it anymore and to be able to talk about right. it. Right. So did you? And then the fact. Sorry. No, please. There's. I'm sorry. There's actually a little bit of a delay. Yeah, there is. Sometimes. Oh, sorry. It's, please uh, finish your thought. Um. Uh. I lost it. I'm so okay. sorry. <laughs> well, I was just gonna ask you if you've seen him. Did you get to meet him? Yes, that's one of my favorite stories, actually. Um. Please tell. He was in the Navy, and, you know, I probably chatted with him, uh, I don't know, Facebook, I guess, chatted with him off and on over time, asking questions, talking, and he, it was really nice because the minute I started talking to him, he felt like somebody I had always known, just the way he talked and the way the things we talked about, it was just, it was really nice, and so he wrote to me a few, it was about three years later, he wrote to me and he's like, I'm, he was in the Navy and he was stationed somewhere, I don't know, and they were moving him around because of his job, just uh, not permanently, but he, okay, go here, do your job, go here, do your job. Mm -hmm. And he writes to me and he says, I'm going to be in Sicily. Do you think you can meet me there? And I was like, heck yeah, I can meet you there. <laughs> My husband, bless him, I was like, I need, I need this flight. I need this plane ticket. And we're looking at this plane ticket, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. That's like a last-minute flight, and it's, it's, it's not cheap to fly last-minute on a main airline, and there were no budget airlines going there. He's like, but it doesn't matter. This is so important. You've got to do this. And so he made it happen. We made it happen. And I had this window, and I just picked a few days, and I went. And I hung out by myself in Sicily. Uh, for two days, waiting for my chance. I went up and danced on the volcano on December, what was it, 21st, 2012, when the world was supposed to end. <laughs> nice. I literally took a bus up Mount Etna, and I literally danced on the volcano. It didn't, nothing happened. I love traveling by myself and doing stuff like that. So, yeah. It was, it was a, that was a really fun trip by myself. It was very chaotic. I don't speak Italian. I speak Spanish. So I was over here speaking Spanish to these Italians, and they're speaking Italian back at me, and nobody cares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nobody cares. It's fine. She, she's foreign, but she's trying, so it's fine. Anyway, so off track. And she, I get, finally he messages me. The only contact we have is email, but I don't have, it was before I had a smartphone, so I'm over here ten, sending text messages to my husband. And he's getting into my email and writing to Luke for me. And we're doing this, like, crazy complicated thing. But finally, I get my chance. So my choice is to take a taxi half an hour out in the middle of nowhere to this military base on Sicily. And I, he, he shows up. He comes walking out to the gate. And it's December. And we're walking around on the military base. And we went to the food court. We got a burger. And we just BSed for, like, two hours. Cause, I mean, that's the time he had and mm -hmm. so we we talked about stories we misadventures military just how we grew up you know he had a lot of questions for me and we just hung out in the food court of this navy base in Sicily and when he was out of time I went I got myself a taxi and went back to my hotel do you still talk I took to a little him very often? he's not a chatty person he's doesn't have a Facebook anymore. If I contact him, it's usually through his wife, who's quite happy to talk to me. Um, it's not that he doesn't talk to me, mm -hmm. or that I don't talk to him. It's just that it doesn't happen. Yeah, that makes any sense. 
he's just one of those people who lives life right in front of him. Right. But if I were to write to him, I know he would write back to me. We went to his wedding. Um, I may or may not have started a bar fight at his bachelor party. Oh, um, please tell us that story. Know, <laughs> as far as I know, he's, he's, uh, we're on fine terms. Yeah. So how did you start a, a bar fight? You want to hear the story too. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, You're so funny. It's not. It's 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 not in my character to do things like that. Um, this is why it's going to be funny. <laughs> oh well, it's it it's I I hope you're not disappointed here. Um, so I was flying in from uh, Germany specifically for the wedding, and I I land in I don't where were we. Alabama. Oh my gosh. It's my first time going to Alabama. I was really, really nervous because that, that place scares me. Um, <laughs> so I landed and mind you, it was, uh, I think that one was an eight hour leg. Mm-hmm. So it was eight hours from Germany to wherever it was I landed. And then another leg from the connection hub to the airport in Alabama. And so I've been moving, I've been on the move for about 20 hours at this point. So I got picked up by his, someone, uh, <laughs> because nobody else was there to pick me up. Uh-huh, I don't know this fine. person. So, okay. so we get in, we get into this, I get in this car with this complete stranger. She's quite nice. She's wonderful. We go, we get something to eat and then we go to the hotel. I'm exhausted. I'm horrifically unsightful because <laughs> I've got my glasses on. I've got black circles under my eyes. I just... I was not in any state to be doing anything. <laughs> but then they come up and they're like, hey, we're all going out to dinner. And then afterwards, we might be all going out and doing something. But you got you got to go. you got to go. I'm so tired. No, you got to go. you got to meet all these people. This is all their family. It's like, fine, okay, fine. Just let me, let me get changed. Let me freshen up. Okay, so I go and I get changed and I end up at this restaurant. And there's all these people I don't know. I'm not a very good social person anyway. So I'm having to talk to these strange people. They're all so very friendly, very southern and friendly. And I'm and they start poking drinks at me. Okay. No, that's fine, it's fine. Oh, that's tasty. Okay, yeah, sure, here we go. All right. Uh, no, I don't really need another one. Okay, fine, you're bought around. Okay, here we go. So I'm exhausted. And and I've never I've never had that much alcohol when I was that tired. So I didn't know how it would affect me and it never occurred to me that it would be different. Yeah. So <laughs> so they had a kind of a joint bachelor bachelorette thing. It wasn't a proper bachelor bachelorette party. It was just like, hey, let's all go out to this bar. They've got pool and karaoke. We'll just have some drinks, play some beer pong. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great, it's great. And I'm just going by this time. I'm just, just cruising because... <laughs> I, I'm just not being a responsible adult at this point. <laughs> and so we're in, we're in this, we're in this bar, and we're talking to people. This guy comes up, he's talking to us. Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, you're having a fun time. Oh, congratulations, somebody's getting married. Oh yeah, you guys were in the navy. I was in the army. Oh yeah, I was in the army. It's like yeah, and he starts talking, and he's like yeah, I had three MOSs in four years, and I'm I'm that should have been a red flag right there. What's that? An and MOS? It's your job. Mm. So the army spends a lot of money training you for whatever it is you do. Oh, so and so if you he go had... to a job. 
been in you three different really jobs. Ever... Yeah. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Okay. You, you you don't change jobs that quickly. Gotcha. I, I can't. I've only and in all the time I was in the army or connected to the army, I've only ever heard of people in that amount of time changing jobs once. So he was either making it up or he was just a really crappy soldier. <laughs> and so he's he starts talking and he said something about a discharge and he says, Oh well what you know, you were in for five years, that's a really weird time to be in. How come you were only in for five years? Because usually four or eight, right? Mm-hmm. So it was in five months, five years, four months, and 19 days. And I said, because I got a combat-connected medical discharge. And he said, oh, well, that means nothing happened. And I snapped. I just, (laughs) it's not my proudest moment, but something in my mind snapped because of the difficult situations, the terrible leadership that I had, the the failure in leadership that I had Mm -hmm. that did not take care of me. You take care of your shoulders. I don't care what you think of them. Mm -hmm. If you ask them to go with you and trust you and depend on you and obey your every order, you take them to a combat zone and stay there for 16 months, you don't treat them like we were treated, Mm -hmm. especially when you have injuries. And so, I mean, and the story is much more complicated than that, but it just, I snapped. It hit me wrong, and I snapped. I lost control, and I snapped, and I'm chasing this guy. Oh, my God. And the next, the next thing I know, I he's running from it. me. He is running from me, and the security guard in the bar is running after me, telling me to put my shirt back on. <laughs> Of the three of us in this conversation, I would have thought you the least likely to be in this situation. <laughs> I didn't hear the part where you were topless. I'm like, what? <laughs> At what point As did you I... take your shirt off? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> Maybe I thought I was a hockey player. I don't know. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well... Uh, I did put my shirt back on. Okay, well, I did mm-hmm. apologize profusely <laughs> and most of the rest of the evening to his fiance and to him. But he kept telling me, and this is the beauty of it, she didn't seem to care, and neither did he. Maybe they didn't like that. And I was either. just good story to tell later, I suppose. <laughs> Added some well, entertainment value to the evening. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, um, no, when we were leaving, we got to the hotel. And everyone went off to their rooms because everybody's staying in the same hotel. And he, he sat down in the, in the lobby on the couch next to me, and he's like, what do you look like? I'm like, what? He's like, you don't mess with my family. What do you look like? <laughs> I'm going back. And I'm like, no, 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 you cannot go back. He is not worth it. This guy was not worth it. He was just some guy talking BS. He doesn't deserve you. you, you <laughs> your wedding is tomorrow. <laughs> You do not need to spend your wedding in jail because of me. Right. <laughs> I just was exhausted. I had too much to drink. It hit me in a way I was not prepared to deal with. So, and he's like, it's fine. You know what? All those guys, all my best men, they'll be right there with me. They don't care. All I got to <laughs> do is tell them, and they're right there with me. That's how we roll. And I'm just like, oh, my 
God. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I was just overwhelmed with the the, mm -hmm. the love that this person That's was nice. showing me Aww. after I had done something so. In my mind, that was horrific. I was humiliated with myself. I could not show my face barely the next day. I've literally never heard this story, so she's been pretty embarrassed about it. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I was devastated. I could not believe that I behaved like that because it's not something I do. I mean, yes, I get drunk. Yes, I have a little too much. And sometimes, yes, my shirt does come off, but usually not. <laughs> you know, we all have those moments. A, not usually in public at not, a bar. <laughs> it's, it's usually not at somebody's big day, the night before their big day. I think my favorite drunk Corey stories <laughs> are she they where they used to live they had this um neighbor and it was an old oh well it was an older couple at first was his oh, name oh Rudy dear. Rudy was that his name Yes it's Rudy and so she would she would uh, message me or post on Facebook like her Rudy stories because they would go over there to visit and for some reason she thought it was a good idea to try to drink drink for drink with this old German man. <laughs> So that you'd get the drunken Corey posts about what she did at Rudy. That's so funny. <laughs> How she'd be lying. See, those were the funny. <laughs> they the were. The first time that happened, well, mind you, Germans uh, are very reserved people. Okay. They they show happiness and emotion and friendliness to strangers. Usually, if it's like um, an international soccer game tournament mm -hmm. or you know something like that, and. So it took us about a year before we even got any of our neighbor, neighbors even talked to us. And the, he just suddenly invited us over for drinks. And so we thought, okay, fine, we're going to go have like a, you know, a glass of wine with these people. They're in their 80s. It's, you know, it's going to be a very sedate affair. Mm -hmm. And then, and at the end of the night, I was molecularly bonded with the dog bed. <laughs> 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 so, because he drinks schnapps, and schnapps in Germany is their version of moonshine. It's not peppermint or peach, 17% something sweet. It's 42% at least. <laughs> Just drinking some green alcohol over in the corner. Oh, it's my fine. God. <laughs> and this guy drinks it, like... I've, since then, I have seen him drunk a couple of times, but it's after his wife of 50-something years died, so I kind of think he has an excuse here. Sure. Um, not that I choose to, you know, prefer to be an enabler, but, I mean, it was rough on him. And like, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're past yeah, judgment. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm just going to do what I want to so, do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's actually really amazing. We're still, we moved since then. We moved about a year ago away from that neighborhood. We still go every Wednesday night. For drinks. Oh, you still go over Wednesday. every week? Yeah. Oh, that's Because good. it's a Wednesday night crew. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy has a social life busier than mine. If you ever say, hey, Rudy, can we come over? It's such a, he's like, let me check my calendar. Well, I have birthdays. And and, and scarily, he just, he, it's amazing. You don't think about it. But when you're 80 years old, half of your social calendar consists of funerals. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be flippant with that, no, but it's just true. something that you don't really consider. And he he's like, oh, I have a funeral on this day and a birthday, and I'm going to the old folks' home on this day, and I'm going to go hang out with my girls for lunch on this day. He's got this group of friends that he goes, these these women, they're in their 90s. <laughs> it's like, wow. He's got a whole bunch of girlfriends. 
He does. I like he's, it. He's a that's great. Like it. These are my life goals. But yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Life goals. This guy, I mean, to watch him with his wife, it was amazing. I mean, she was showing me how to cook something, like old school German recipe of some kind. She was showing me how to cook it one day. And she, he came in the kitchen and she dropped something. She bent over to pick it up. He ran up, slapped her on the ass, and giggled. I kid you not. He giggled and scurried away. I love it. I love everything it's about adorable. it. That's how you live life. <laughs> Always was cackling forever. in the other room. And she married something. I knew they'd she... do that to me forever. That would be a selling point for me. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, when she stood up, she just looked at me, and she just kind of rolled her eyes and kept working on the recipe, and I was just <laughs> cracking up. Awesome. They were good. They were good together. Um, yeah, so we still go over, and he's taught me. Do you still get drunk over there? <laughs> no. No, and it's a wonderful excuse because it, she learned I don't. Moderation. I, we have to drive. One of us has to drive. Yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah, you can't just walk. Not a neighbor anymore, so, yeah. I, I cannot even smell schnapps without getting nauseous. So John is usually the one who handles it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a really wonderful experience because we've learned so much about how to be German, how to be in Germany, how Germans are, in this, at least in this generation. And we've learned, we learned a lot about like what's what they think about, how they think, and. Mm-hmm. We learn so much of the language just from sitting there. And they speak dialect. They don't speak this um, proper school German that I learned. Right. So that is, and I can understand this dialect and I can't speak it, but I can, I can understand it now. And just learning so much. And these, these older people have, you know, they probably think it's the weirdest thing in the world that these Americans just come and sit and listen to them talk on Wednesdays. I mean, sometimes we talk because it depends on what the conversation is. Sometimes they just go on and we can't keep up. We just listen and learn because you can always understand more than you can say. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. You know, they tell us about the old days and the old ways. I mean, Rudy tells us stories about how, I mean, he was born in 1934, I think he said. 34, 38, I get it mixed up. But he remembers that, you know, the, the city near us, it was bombed out and his grandmother lived in this city. So he remembers his mother going on her bicycle to get his grandmother out of the city when it was being bombed out in the war. And he remembers, you know, he remembers his mother. He said the best thing that ever happened to women was the washing machine. And at first that sounds really some kind of something, you know, Mm -hmm. but if if he listened to him, he says, because I remember my mother, there were six, six or seven kids. And I remember my mother would spend entire days Mm -hmm with the boiling, the, cooking the water over the fire and doing the washing by hand. Mm-hmm. And wow. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. And he, he'll he bring out bits and pieces from that era. And, you know, and when you talk about being in Germany, people automatically think about that era. There are so many Germans who wanted nothing to do with all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you can see they go quiet when they start talking about the past. I mean, Rudy will not talk about his parents, but I've seen a picture of his dad in a military uniform. But he will not talk about that. Like, you can see him go really kind of solemn, and he'll change the subject, and we just let him do it because, I mean, who knows what he doesn't want to say? Right. Who knows what his father was forced to do? And I'm not saying that that makes it okay, you know, but 
But it makes it complicated, for sure. It makes it more human mm -hmm. and, and more understanding. It's like you realize that, that people don't, I don't know, there's, there's no really way to say this. Mm -hmm. that's, that's okay, but it's like people will get forced to do horrific things in a matter of survival. Sure. And, I'm, and again, I'm not saying that that makes it okay. It's just to watch somebody struggle with that. Mm -hmm. It breaks. It broke my heart to see this old man, and 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 he he will just open up, and start crying. You know, this jolly old school German guy starts talking about his wife and just breaks down crying. Mm -hmm. You know, gets really really upset when he's the topic drifts towards his his family or his brothers and sisters, mm. and who knows why, but. It's it's been a wonderful experience getting to spend time with this older generation yeah, of a culture just, that yeah yeah just having friends outside your own uh, generation is really valuable. I was yes, saying that important. earlier. Yeah, it really is. I think it's also interesting to note that every one of the five or six eighty-year-olds that's regularly with us on Wednesday nights at Rudy's has actually at one time or another compared Trump to Hitler. They do not like him. Well, Corey, we're approaching uh, the end of the segment, so uh, do you have any parting words for us? Or I can't believe I just prattled on and I didn't actually tell you. A... I, I made this whole <laughs> list of, because usually the first question that people ask me is, how is Germany different? Well, I made a list. I've been compiling this list for three days. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I just prattled on about, you know, some old guy giving me schnapps. Oh, but I love it. Yeah, no, that's, that's the real stuff. We love Rudy. Yes. You can contact the podcast at BrokeBrokenPodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found on Twitter at BrokeBrokenShow, on Instagram and Facebook at BrokeBrokenPodcast.